This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The FCPA Compliance Report is the longest running podcast in compliance. Engaging a wide variety of compliance-related guests and topics. Each week, Tom Fox brings you the top commentators and information which will inform your compliance program going forward. Join us again for the top podcast in compliance, hosted by the voice of compliance, Tom Fox. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to a special five-part series on the Airbus International Anti-Corruption Enforcement Action. Over the next five episodes, we're going to take a look at the Airbus Enforcement Action from a variety of perspectives. Jay Rosen is going to open up the five-part series and talk to us about the FCPA perspective and set the background. We then jump across the pond to Jonathan Armstrong to take a look at the UK SFO BPA around Airbus. Mike Volkoff considers trade sanctions and the ITAR angle. Cecilia Luz Genkel talks to us about the French enforcement perspective and the perspective of the French compliance practitioner. And I'm going to end this week by some final reflections on what the Airbus case means for the compliance professional and for international anti-corruption investigations and enforcement going forward. I know you'll enjoy this series. In this fifth and concluding episode, I wanted to give some of my thoughts about the Airbus International Anti-Corruption Enforcement Action. The penalties involved in this case are astronomical, nearly $3.9 billion, and it is the largest enforcement action in the history of the world ever. The, there is a deferred prosecution agreement with the Serious Fraud Office, a settlement with the PNF in France, and, of course, with the Department of Justice here in the United States. The corruption was truly on a global basis, and it appears that Airbus was willing to pay a bribe anytime, anywhere, to anyone to garner business. The criminal information in the United States listed bribery schemes in Vietnam, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, Taiwan, Indonesia, and Ghana. The most detailed information from the United States information uh, was about bribes paid in China, where Airbus engaged a partner in China to pay third parties that were intended to be used as bribes to government officials in China. The scheme was facilitated through payments to a bank account in Hong Kong, and it included also luxury travel for locations where Airbus did not have business, including Park City, Utah, and the island of Maui. There was the ITAR component of the settlement, which Mike Volkoff talked about, and this is very troubling and very important for national security, but it also shows that simply because you have manufacturing facilities outside the United States, you can still be subject to trade sanction laws in the United States. Even with its clear intention to engage in systemic bribery and corruption, Airbus was able to obtain partial credit leading to a fine and penalty reduction. 
According to the U.S. DPA, Airbus did not receive self-disclosure credit for its FCPA conduct because it only reported its conduct to the Department of Justice after it was being investigated for bribery and corruption in the United Kingdom and after such information was made public. Airbus did receive credit for cooperation with the DOJ in the investigation and remedial efforts during the pendency of the investigation. These remedial efforts included termination and discipline of individuals involved in the corruption, enhancements to the company's compliance regime, and cooperation going forward. All of this led to a reduction of 25% off the bottom end of the U.S. sentencing guidelines for FCPA violations. Finally, as Cecilia noted, a monitor was not mandated uh, in France nor in the United Kingdom or the United States, but there will be additional oversight. And now some thoughts on the remediation engaged during the pendency of the investigation on this matter. The matter was originally referred to the Serious Fraud Office by the UK Export Finance Office. Thereafter, the SFO notified the PNF in France, and they formed a joint investigation team to facilitate the investigation. The PMF also controlled the documents provided to the SFO under the terms of the French blocking statute. The joint investigative team reviewed more than 1,700 third parties used by Airbus and focused on some 110 red flags which had been identified. They also reviewed over 30 million documents from some 200 document custodians. In the UK judgment, it noted that Airbus cooperated in the production and dissemination of these documents, provided key information on bank accounts where illegal bribes were paid. Airbus provided a full list of third parties, including multiple entities not unearthed by investigators in the joint investigative team. They also provided reports on these third parties, particularly those which demonstrated actual knowledge of the red flags that the company had buried and hidden from corporate compliance and legal functions. Interestingly, the UK judgment also approved Airbus's use of technology not only to help in the e-discovery phase of the investigation and proceedings, but also in deploying predictive coding to assist in the prioritization and identification of relevant contemporary documents. According to the UK Statement of Facts, Airbus agreed to approach the internal investigation interviews with the JIT and deferred interviews at the JIT's or the Joint Investigative Task Force request. The company also provided first account of all relevant information to the Joint Investigation Task Force, disclosed materials, including interview transcripts and memorandum under a limited waiver of privilege for the purposes of the Joint Investigative Task Force investigation. Airbus provided a schedule of contemporaneous documents withheld on the basis of privilege, including a reason for asserting privilege, and finally, the company communicated with the Joint Investigative Task Force on media reporting. What about remediation? Here, Airbus engaged in extensive remediation. According to the U.S. Deferred Prosecution Agreement, the company took disciplinary action by terminating or otherwise disciplining 62 employees and ceased to do business to corrupt, with corrupt third parties and froze payments to them. The remedial measure, measures were listed with greater specificity in the U.K. judgment, starting with the top of the organization. There are new CEO, CFO, and GC were added, eight new board members were added. To remediate its internal control process failures, Airbus established an independent compliance review committee made up of independent experts who reviewed the compliance program and made 55 recommendations in a 2018 report. The corporate compliance function had been restructured to make the independent reporting to a newly formed ethics compliance committee at the board. So we finally see Airbus with an ENC committee at the board level 
Every corporation needs to take notice of this. With regard to some specific compliance issues, the company is engaged in systemic company-wide risk assessments, reduce the use of third-party consultants, redesign the onboarding process to upgrade due diligence, and implemented targeted 24-month training and redesigned its internal controls. This led the UK judge to state it is submitted that these remedial measures have transformed Airbus into what is, for the present purpose in relation to compliance, culture, and the like, effectively a different company to the one that it was at the time the offenses alleged in the indictment occurred. It's clear when you have such a systemic bribery system in place that, as Airbus did, that a clean sweep of the company is necessary, and this is what seems to have happened at the senior management level. It will be interesting to see if any individuals are prosecuted out of this case, and more particularly if the SFO can actually obtain some guilty pleas against or verdicts against individuals. The Airbus case lays bare any claim that the Department of Justice under Trump is soft on corruption or is cutting back. The severity of the U.S. penalty and full amount of the FCPA fine was $2.09 billion. As noted by the FCPA blog, a part of Airbus's $4 billion global settlement, it paid <clears throat> the French about $2.3 billion, and the DOJ agreed to credit Airbus up to $1.8 billion for amounts paid to the PNF. It also demonstrates robust cross-border investigations can be effectively done with the one-pi, non-piling-on process applied to fines and penalties. DPA shine in this enforcement action as well as providing solid benefits to the companies who have cooperated with investigations and extensively remediated. Such conduct was clearly rewarded in this case. What about the U.S. compliance practitioner who wonders how a nearly $4 billion international anti-corruption enforcement action impacts them directly? This case demonstrates that paper compliance programs will always lead to disaster. Unfortunately, the Airbus corporate compliance function was far more concerned that all the paperwork was filled out neatly rather than reviewing the information submitted by the business units. When pressed by a new GC in 2016 about the failings in this paper program, a senior trade compliance executive outright lied and said that compliance certified everything when, in fact, they did no investigation. It would seem that the Airbus compliance program was far more concerned about protecting itself than doing actual compliance. Having lied, cheated, and defrauded the government of several countries for years, Airbus now finds its reputation shattered and in tatters. Imagine the position it would be in today vis-a-vis -vis Boeing if it only... <clears throat> its only real rival if it had not engaged in bribery and corruption. But now Airbus is the number one poster child on every corruption top 10 list in the world. How long will it take to overcome this? That remains to be seen. <clears throat> Airbus certainly has worked very hard to do so over the past few years. They convinced the UK court, which approved the DPA, that they had turned over a new leaf. Let us hope that they can get through the DPA successfully and move forward doing business ethically and in compliance, and indeed be one of the world's leaders in this field. They could be a great boon to compliance and ethics programs going forward and to the greater compliance and ethics community by demonstrating that a company can win business and can be successful by doing business ethically and in compliance. Of course, that remains an open question at this point, but we can all hope that Airbus takes this lesson to heart and will do so going forward. I hope you've enjoyed this special five-part series on the Airbus International Enforcement Action, and I hope you will rate our podcast on iTunes as it would help in our rankings. 
I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another matter on the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suit Radio. Thanks so much for listening, and I look forward to visiting with you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.